It's still muted. Now it works. Uh, you may take your Bible out and go to Acts, the Acts of the Apostles 20. And that's where we are in our sermon series in Acts. It's chapter 20 and it's uh, 2016. So you can just take your Bible and go there. And before we start, I'll just reca- recap us on where where we were last week and where we are going today. Um, yes, there it is. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, today is going to be Paul's address to the Ephesians uh, elders. And uh, so that's going to be exciting. But uh, <clears throat> last week we we ended our time together with uh, a guy falling out a window and dying. Uh, but uh, Paul says, hey, he goes down, he k- throws himself on him. The life returns to him. Um, and uh, it, what could have been a tragedy was turned into something beautiful and very encouraging. And it also shows, shows that Jesus is the Lord of life. But he's the one who, who gives life and he's the one who knows life. So in Jesus, as we've been praying, as we've been talking about, that's what Jesus does. He's the author of life, and he's the one who gave us new life in him. A life where we're freed from pain, shame, and guilt, uh, and our sin, and instead we can have righteousness. And we have that through repentance, a turning from our own self to Jesus, and following his way. Um, yes. So that was the introduction, and so now I'll read the text for you, and you can follow along on the screen and in your Bible. So let's read from Acts twenty, seventeen. Now from Miltus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came, he said to them, you yourself know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, teaching both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And behold, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone out proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I will testify to you this day that I am innocent of your blood of you all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers 
to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, and not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all these things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he has spoken that they would not see his face again. And they all accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. So today it's going to be about kind of the main theme is Paul is giving his last address to the Ephesians elders and you're like what? But he but he, if you go back to the very beginning where the maps are um, uh, if you press like slide 2 or 3 or something <laughs> then people can see no, at the very beginning where the maps are yes then if you take one more slide. Still not so easy. That one. Okay, so you can see that Paul had chosen not to go to Ephesus for some reason. And so he's actually at this uh, Miltius instead. But he sends for the Ephesian elders to come to him. So there's all sorts of theories why he doesn't want to go. Maybe they would impose on him to stay longer. And he's trying to get back to Jerusalem before Pentecost. So he has the uh, Ephesian elders, the leaders of the church, to come, come out to him, and he's he's giving his farewell address. And actually, this is actually the first and only time in Acts where we have Paul speaking only to believers. The rest of the time, it's actually to mixed crowds of unbelievers and people who sometimes are very hostile to him. We see <laughs> this one ends in tears because he's leaving, not with stones trying to make him leave. So there's like big difference here in <laughs> in how in 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 the in the people that are in the audience there. And so. So for us today, it's, it's, it's looking at the difference between what is a good teacher and what is a false teacher. And we can say also, 
Paul is, it's kind of like his last sermon to these people, and he also mentions this, I will not see you guys again. And so he's pouring out his heart to them. As he's doing that, he's also warning them of what would ha- what, what's going to happen. He's reminding them about how he was. He said, I lived with you for three years. I served the Lord. I was humble. I served you with tears. There was many trials. So we can see Paul, he's not in it for the money. Like he, he prides for himself. He's not out to get their money. He's not out to get their clothes. He's not proud and arrogant. He's even, he's even pleading with these people night and day and sometimes also in tears that they would follow Jesus. And on top of that, all the hardship he gets from, from the Jews who from time and again are trying to kill him or persecute him. And so when we're looking at Paul, we, we see a servant. You can see he looks kind of like also what Jesus looked like. And Paul was, was like Jesus in a sense of he was very bold. He never shrunk back. He taught everything that he believed that Jesus wanted them to know. So it wasn't like, oh, I think this is unpopular today. I'll not talk about this topic. No, he said, I'll, I'll teach anything that is profitable to you. And his main message, what is his main message to Jews and to Gentiles? Is it that you should repent and turn to God, both Jews and Greeks, and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's his main message. That, that's what he comes to, and he lives there three years. He pours out his heart and his, his, uh, with tears and his soul, and he, he teaches from house to house and in public as he's ministering to them, providing also for himself and the people that come and help him. He's not out to have disciples that follow him. And we see that in the, some of his letters too. Like there's some fractions in some churches like saying some, some people, I like Paul the most, I like Paul the most. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? I don't want anybody following me. I want people following Jesus. And then we have, as he's standing on the beach, he's also, he has a glimpse of, ha- or if he, he has gotten some glimpses of, of what is going to happen as he goes to Jerusalem. He's not sure what's going to happen, but in a sense, the Lord has already met Paul one time, and he, he said to him, don't worry, I have many people in this city, I'm with you, nobody's going to hurt you. <laughs> This time it's the warning's a little bit different. The warning is you probably will be hurt <laughs> and you probably will go to jail. I'll still be with you. And so Paul says it and it's this way, he says like in verse twenty four, we have this beautiful insight of Paul's life. 
that it's really not about what Paul wants for himself, but it's that he wants to finish, in a metaphorical part, the race. What race? Well, the race, like kind of like a running race, that when Jesus met him, he gave him, he gave him, um, he gave him a, a charge to do. And so he says, and we're going to have it, I think, next week or something. We're going to have like people pleading with Paul not to go. But, but Paul says, no, the most important thing is I don't account my life of any value no as precious to myself if only I may finish the course, the ministry that I've received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul is more concerned about fulfilling the ministry that Jesus is giving him than if he goes through trials and testing and imprisonment. And as I was, as I was reflecting on it, well, he's actually already experienced all these things before. <laughs> he has already been in prison. He's already been stoned. So he's already shown that he is a faithful servant that wants to do what Jesus has asked him to do also at the cost of suffering. And so he, he says that, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he says, like, why are you trying to grieve me to some of the people trying to say to him, don't go, don't go. I'm willing to give you my life in Jerusalem for Jesus as long as I may finish the course that he has for me. And so, yeah, so it's... So that's where we're at. We're on, a, we're on a, a place together where Paul is teaching these elders. He's encouraging them. He's warning them. He's, he said it's, it's a defense of the three years that he spent with them. Uh, but then you mean, the not-so-good news comes from the, uh, for the elders. He's like, you are not going to see me again. I've declared and proclaimed the kingdom of God for you. I've declared the whole counsel of God to you. And I'm innocent of your blood. So we've talked about that before, that this is refers back to Ezekiel, where, where God talks about how Ezekiel has to continue to ask the people to repent and come back to God. He also knows that they're not going to do that <laughs> because God said he won't. They won't. But he says that's not the point. The point is that you will keep warning because if you don't warn, the blood will be on your hands. So this is Paul referring to like, I have taught you everything. I have warned you. I have taught you all that I have. I have taught you. I have not kept anything back. I have not just taught things so that you would like me. No, I have taught you everything. And therefore, your blood will be on your own hands. I have been the watchman. I have been the one calling you back to God the whole time. I did not shrink from declaring every word the Lord had for you. So he says that this is how I've been with you. I've done all those things. 
I finished the race with you. I'll continue to finish the race as I move forward. And then he starts coming with warnings to the church leaders and to the church. He starts with one I think is for all of us today as well. Pay careful attention to yourself. I skipped some slide. Oh, that's, um, can you go to Acts 9, 15, 17? Yeah, so, so that, this is, this is what Paul was meant to do. When Jesus, when, uh, when, at this point he's called Saul, he's blind, he has just been met Jesus on the road, Ananias, go, Ananias is asked by Jesus to go heal him, and Ananias is like, I don't think that's a good idea. And then, then Jesus says, no, go. For he's an instrument of mine to bring before my name before Gentiles and kings. And that will still happen. We haven't presented to kings yet, but that will happen soon. Uh, I'll show him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. So the words of Jesus we have seen come through in Paul's life. It was not health, wealth, and no sickness. It was seen that he would suffer for the name of Jesus. Um, and so that's what Paul is so set about is that Jesus has called him to share this good news the good news that he received himself that transformed his, his whole life he shares that with the whole region there and he does it in a self-sacrificial humble way where he pours out his life for people for their sake and for finishing the race well that he had gotten from Jesus. A very beautiful verse if you go to, if you look in your Bible as, as verse 28. And I think it was one for us too, like pay careful attention to yourself. In our lives it's so easy to pay attention to everyone else. <laughs> either being impressed by other people or being really annoyed by other people but how about ourselves not just thinking about ourselves but actually paying attention to ourselves how are we worshipping Lord Jesus how are we encouraged by him how do we encourage others are we paying casual attention to ourselves And then he says to them, because they are leaders of the church, you also have to be pay attention to the flock, to the church there, the ones who have believed. The Holy Spirit has said you to lead these people. And in a sense, Paul has shown them an example of how to lead and of how to teach. And then there's a huge value statement. Because at the end it says, Oh, there, where are you? 28. Um, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God with which he obtained with his own blood. If you read commentaries like that, our heads explode on this one because how can God have blood? Well, it's a different story, but point is it's a huge value statement on what God has done for the church 
that God has, God has provided Jesus for us and his blood to be shed that we could be united to God. And so this is a huge statement of like, pay careful attention to yourself, shepherd the flock that the Holy Spirit has, has made you overseer as over. Why? Because it's very, very important because the blood of God, the blood of Jesus was shed for these people. So it's, it's an, uh, it's a, <laughs> for all church people in leadership, it's a very strong encouragement and warning to not be lazy, to not be indifferent, but to pay careful attention first to ourselves, but then also to each person that the Lord has bought with his blood. So what is the state of your heart if you have to pay attention to yourself? Before we start serving all sorts of other people, how are you paying attention to yourself? It is, I wrote here, it's the crazy, overwhelming, great news that the Lord spilled his blood for his people. It's a call to be a faithful steward of God's people because the price was so high. Even the blood of the Lord. Is that how we see the church? It's like sometimes it becomes like almost, you know, <laughs> sometimes it almost becomes fashionable to say, like, you know, I don't like the church, you know, I don't like the church, I just like Jesus. Well, here it's very, very different. Like, is is this the way, is that, that doesn't seem to make much sense because here Paul puts so much emphasis that Jesus actually gave up his blood for his people. So it, would it be a right thing to keep grumbling about what, <laughs> about what Jesus has died for? Or should that encourage us even more to serve one another that we, in the way that Paul did, with tears, admonishing one another humbly, then Paul, he comes to this section of warning about false teachers. What is very interesting is to, is see the differences between the false teachers and Paul. When false teachers are described here, they're described as fierce, fierce, fierce wolves. Jesus uses the same in Matthew. It's a notion that you have sheep and then wolves just come in and just kills and destroys. Not sparing the flock. Paul said, I spend three years with you, humble and in tears. That's very different than a wolf coming in and destroying. He also says there will be false teachers from the inside. You have the wolves from the outside and arise from inside. Would people from inside the church would be speaking twisted things for their own gain to draw away disciples after them? And Paul says, and he said all the time, I don't want you to be my disciple. 
I want you to be Jesus' disciple. He's not trying to get a crowd to go after him and build the Paul church. No, he's asking them to give their lives to follow Jesus. Again, it's about Jesus, not about Paul. The false teachers is about them. False teachers almost always exude arrogance, pride, greed, no tears for the people. You can read, if you read Second Peter 2, there's a whole chapter about false teachers as well. Paul calls them to be alert. He reminds them again, I spent three years with you. I poured out my three years for you. Day and night, admonishing you with tears. The humble servant. Not like the false teachers coming to destroy or to draw away for selfish gain. When you look at teachers, look at their fruit. Today we have a Bible. So whatever you hear me say, that's why I ask you to take out the Bible and follow along. So afterwards you can say, what you said there, that's not true. And then now we will talk about that. If you see people on YouTube say things, check it with the Bible. It's very easy to check these things. There's just been a horrible, another, case, another horrible case in Aarhus about some person who called themselves a pastor. Please, please, please know your Bible so you would not be led astray. It is heartbreaking over and over again to see people like ravaging wolves coming in and destroying people as they do it for selfish gain. When people start saying stuff that doesn't fit with the Bible, then they're false teachers. And I'll. They will also make ex- ex- exceptions for themselves. We we see it, you know, what you call them the five big things. Often has something, then the leader themselves, oh, but I can have sex with her, whoever I want. I can have a wife and 200 girlfriends, which is, <laughs> makes no sense. Oh, it's okay that I'm greedy because the Lord has blessed me. It's okay that I'm fat and rich because God has blessed me. No, no, it's okay that I'm proud because God has blessed me and used me in great ways. No, no, I don't actually have to use the Bible or read the Bible because God speaks directly to me so I don't have to, I don't, I'm not accountable to the Bible because God gives me new revelation. As I'm speaking these things, I am physically feeling sick. I'm so taken and tired of people who do that because it destroys people. It has no... That is not why Jesus came. That people can use his name to gain things for themselves. That's not the example we see in Paul. That's not the example we see in any of the disciples. We had a conversation with uh, Nilo the other day. What happened to the disciples? Well, they all died. Given their lives for Jesus. And you have a stupid... Then you have some false teachers today that say all sorts of crazy things to promote themselves. Sorry. Um... This is my this is my attempt <laughs> to be like Paul and I said like please do not just believe the stuff that you hear. Uh, 
especially if people are unwilling to submit to the Bible as the authority. Look at their fruit. Are they humble? Are they serving? Do they show a love for the people? Or is there more exceptions? Do they say things that are not according to the Bible? Does it look like they're trying to lead people astray? And we've been going through this the whole time. We've seen this every time in the Bible, in Acts. That when the Lord works, the enemy works and tries to do the opposite. And so Paul is warning the elders, he's warning the leaders, be watch out for that. That will come. They'll come a counterfeit and say crazy things. And the weird thing is that when we look at Jesus, our Lord, he's so opposite false teachers. Jesus always glorified in heaven by angels, humbles himself and comes in to serve I came to serve, not to be served. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Extremely humble because he had all power. And he does that to honor God. And he does that, and just like we said, he sheds his blood to make a way for us to be saved and redeemed and to be reconciled to God. That we can be new, made new and have eternal life forever with Him in the new heaven, new earth, in the true presence of God. No shame, no pain, no guilt. With God, in God, with each other. Look at the fruit when you look and listen to teachers. And first, pay careful attention to yourself as well. Where's our heart? Where's our heart and mind go Paul he rounds it up with this um, beautiful picture of um, in verse 33 he puts the believers in God's hands and in and in the word of God and he Oh, I should read it. I should read it. It's, um, 32, 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. So he's saying, I will give you into the Lord's hands. I by his grace, by his word's grace. Why? Well, because I want you to have an inheritance, an internal inheritance among those who are sanctified, those who are made holy. He's talking about their eternal life, the sanctification process, the, the process that we call a fight, the process, the process we call a war, and you're like, well, it's Tuesday and I'm, just taking care of my kids and I'm just doing my work. Yes, that is the war. The war is to be faithful and obedient day by day, encouraging people every day. And day by day we are molded, molded, sanctified more and more as we daily obey Jesus. 
we fight against the notion to follow false teachers. We fight for children to to have good teaching, for being encouraged, for not falling for the schemes of this world. We encourage one another and pray for one another as well. That in this process we will slowly be sanded and molded. And we fight as we had in Romans. We fight and put sin to death because Jesus has won. So we don't put sin, we don't win over sin. Jesus does and therefore we can put it to death. And then there's a slide from Philippians. I was just so encouraged by that when I was also a new believer. That, that the one who began a good work will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. The notion that what God has begun or what Jesus has begun in us, he will continue to do until he comes back. So it's, it's a process of sanctification. So Paul puts them into the hand of God, into the word of the Lord, and also says uh, into the notion of sanctification together with the sanctified, actually the eternal life together. And what does that mean if you take the first Peter one, which that was also from Romans, co heirs, co heirs with Christ. What is our inheritance? That is to that is to inherit with Jesus. And so I will try to read from up there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Yes, we are Repenting, turning to Jesus, we die and we're raised to new life. We are in a process of being sanctified. We stand in Jesus' righteousness after he has taken off all our clothes of sin. And this is the price that is imperishable. Reigning and ruling with Jesus Christ in his true presence. And Paul, he ends and says, I have covered, co- coveted nobody's stuff. <laughs> I coveted no one's silver or clothes or anything. I worked with my own hands. And then he has this verse saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And he said that Jesus said it, and it was like, well, Jesus didn't say it in the gospel. No, but as John says, there's a lot of things we don't have recorded Jesus saying. So Paul says, and it just makes so much sense because we have a God who gives so much. He gives and gives and gives. And I know maybe you have experienced this as well. How many times have you felt more blessed when you gave something instead of when you received something? It's a, and it's, in this sense, it's not just about money. 
but it's about our whole lives. How more blessed do you feel when you give the gospel to somebody? Yes, we are fantastically, we are humble and we are grateful and we praise the Holy Spirit that we were able to, through him, to receive the gospel. But how much more blessed are we when we see other people receive the gospel? Then you see, uh, you have this picture where the whole group, they kneel down and they pray. Paul prays for them. And a lot of people were like, this is the this is the most amazing description of emotions in the whole New Testament. You have a whole bunch of people after the prayer time weeping, embracing and kissing. You know, you're not allowed to do that now. It's COVID times. Um and kissing him. Um and so this is a strong outpour of emotion. I would say, though, there's a caution. Because <laughs> Luke, he says at the end there, they were most sorrowful that they weren't going to see Paul again. As a pastor myself, I would be like, they should probably pay attention <laughs> to what he said. <laughs> to be, be, be on the guard for the false teachers that he said that was going to come. I, I thought, this is just my own observation from just our fellowship, is I thought it's really interesting to see how... And I think you experience that sometimes as well. How Paul pours out three years of his life when he leaves, there's much, many tears. But I, sometimes we experience that as well. We experience that one person or, or a family pouring out their lives into our lives for three years. And as they leave, there's much tears. It is not, as somebody says, here on earth, it is not... Um, there are many goodbyes that are not easy here on earth. But I think as we look to this and we look to Paul and we look to us as a church and to a fellowship, we just, we know deep down that yes, there are tears, but it's good. Because we're sh- we're we are sh- we are like Paul. We are like Jesus, pouring out our lives for people, for the time that they are here. Not making disciples of our own, but disciples that will go on and follow Jesus. So, just recapping, like. Is your life sta- mission statement the same as Paul? That whatever it takes, imprisonment, beatings, that I will follow Jesus.
how are you paying attention to yourself? What is the state of your heart? How valuable do you see the people around you as? Here, here Paul says that the people of the gathering, the people of the church, are so valuable that God has shed his blood for them. So let's have those things in mind as we ask God to continue to sanctify us. Reminding one another that that's the process and we, we stand, stand shoulder to shoulder doing that. But also we can have a weird smile on our face and our heart because we know that Jesus said at the end we will be, we will be with the sanctified. We will be with Jesus made perfect with him. That is our inheritance. Not because of our works, but because of Jesus' works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. Um, Lord God, for who you are. You're the Lord of heaven and earth. You are all things in control. You've made all things. You know the hairs of our head and the sand, the, the specks of sand on the sea. Nothing's out of your control. And still you look to us. Still you know each of us intimately, personally. You've knit all of us together. You know exactly all of our DNA strains. You know everything about us. All our tendencies, all our struggles, all our, all our frustrations, all our joys. You know how many times we failed. You know how many times we're going to fail in the future. And Lord God, you still, in your grace and mercy and love towards us, chose to shed your blood to redeem us to Lord thank you thank you that you've made that possible thank you that none of us was worthy for that none of us loved you that way but you chose to love us that way Lord, I pray, I, I, I just pray for all of us, we would be overwhelmed and overjoyed with that, overjoyed with the good news of the gospel, overjoyed that, they, that you are in control and you are powerful, you are mighty, Jesus. And still you humble yourself and you live this perfect life for us, showing how, how true greatness is lived out in this life. That's through service, of one another obeying the Father sacrificing for one another for one another's good loving one another loving one another enough to correct one another 
as you did, Jesus, as we see Paul's example. Lord, I pray for all of our hearts, my heart as well. Help us to see this clearer and clearer. As Myers praying earlier, let help those who are online and who are here who don't know the Holy Spirit, you would illumine their hearts and minds to see who you are. May this be as you wrote, as Paul wrote, may this, this day be the day of salvation. Lord, help us not to harden our hearts when we are sinned against. Help us to know how much you have loved us that we can forgive and, and serve. Lord, help us not to bypass our, uh, who you made us to be. Help us to be aware of ourselves. Help us in that awareness to be aware of you. Help us to serve our brothers and sisters in the church. Lord, I ask you to protect us from the evil one and from evil influence of false teaching and selfishness and greed. To protect the fellowship from that, from small to, to old in our fellowship. You protect us against the schemes of the evil one. Give us all much grace and endurance. Equip us. Help us put on the armor every day and be in the fight, knowing that you've won. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. It's for your beautiful name. Amen. So you may uh, rise up and let's uh, receive the benediction. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. May you have a great week and uh, don't run away. I'd like to say hello to all of you.